it's your funeral, you showed up. <laughs> My Bible's falling apart. Yeah, I guess so. It's falling apart. Yeah. Anyways. Well, I am going to end up the summer series. We're going to be in Ephesians. We're going to be looking at the end of verse uh, chapter 6. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful series. And, um, and looking over as Pastor uh, Zeke told me that, you know, you're going to have the hardest one, you know, and um, of these. And so I thought, I don't know, all that armor of God and all that trip, that's cool. I can talk about that. Talk about that for 45 minutes, no big deal. And I can go on, and you guys will go, and got it banged right out. But unfortunately, God doesn't see it that way, and he was right. This has been a difficult one, because how do you kind of reiterate, you know, 11 weeks of study and try to take all that and try, of course, there's no way that I can actually talk, you know, about what everybody talked about. That's impossible. And it's been a wonderful series. And I know you guys have gotten a lot out of it and, and that sort of thing. And so I can't, you know, I don't want to, you know, I guess there's fear of messing up what somebody's already talked about. And I sure don't want to do that, you know, because they're all in here. And so, you know, <laughs> I, you know I, I could try booking out there, but, you know, that's why Ron's sitting over there. And so, uh, you know, but, but I mean, it's, it's been one of those series where there's just so much here. In fact, I was talking with Pastor Zeke um, the other day, and he's like going, it seems like we should have just did the first three chapters because we did all six, and there's so much information in here that, that we, you know, could easily... Next week, we could start with 12 new guys and we just do the whole thing all over again. It would be completely different and you guys would get more and more and more out of it. It just keeps going. It, it's, it, like we could you know, really sing that last song just over and over and over again for the next hour and then we'd be fine. I mean, that's kind of where it is. It, you, you just, it just doesn't stop. So what I'm going to do is um, <clears throat> Mark, when he started out, he talked about um, the first three chapters being heavenly doctrine and the last three chapters being earthly conduct. And then what he did was he, he named each chapter, um, you know, gave it a, a particular theme. And so what I'd like to do is kind of look at each one of those. And in uh, chapter 1, it was the body. In chapter 2, the temple chapter 3, the mystery, chapter 4, the new man, chapter 5, the bride, and then chapter 6, the soldier. And so we're going to just take little chunks of that and we're going to look at each one and then we're going to, I'm going to do my <laughs> assigned group, you know, when, I, when we get down to the end and, and hopefully um, we can kind of make sense of this and, and I can pull together what God's been showing me in this because it's been a tremendous study. And if you missed any of them, please go back and, and listen to them on the podcast and, and reread it over and over again and study it over and read it and got the word open while you're listening to this so that you can glean everything these guys had. And then when you're done, just read it again, 
you know, just straight through and just really let God speak to you because it's a tremendous, tremendous letter. And there's so much in there. So let's pray, and then I will try to tell you what God was trying to tell me, and I'm sure he will move here this evening. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just in awe of you. And, and the more that we learn and, and to grow and to know you, it, we just continue to just uh, be blown away about how awesome and wonderful and powerful you are and the great love that you have for us. Father, we praise you for the, each one of these men that came up here and, and studied and the way that you spoke through them and you taught us. And, and we praise you for this series. And so, Father, we pray that as this series ends, that, that, that doesn't mean that, that this group of Scripture ever ends for us. And, and you hide these things away in us, and Lord, and we pray you'll continue to bring them back and just continue to teach us. Give us a true desire and thirst for your word to ever grow in you. Please bless, Lord, uh, just this, uh, this time in your word. We honor and worship you, and we give this time over to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Ephesians chapter 1, which is the body. What I'm going to look at is I'm going to start in verse 15, and I'm going to read down through verse 23, and uh, which is the end of the chapter. And then we're going to talk about this. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do chunks in each chapter, and uh, then we will get into the other study of the of God wants to show us in the... <clears throat> in chapter 6 there. So he says, Therefore, in verse 15, Ephesians 1.15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory of the inheritance in the saints? And what, is exceed, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named only on this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is just mind-blowing. You could spend another 12-week series in this group of scripture alone. This is crazy. But one of the things that really leaps out here is he talks about how Jesus has been placed above all, you know... um, all might and dominion and power and, and everything in the ages to come and, and gave him to be head over all things and, and he's all above the principalities and powers. That's talked about a lot in here. That whole thing about principalities and powers and heavenly places and those kinds of things. He talks about that in numerous places in this book or in this letter. And so it's important as you kind of look at this to kind of correlate these things and start to see that God had a plan set up for, for all of this. And he builds upon this that affects this earth and heaven itself. And it was all set up, the, you know, from the very, very beginning. 
And so when he prays here, he prays for wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God and to know and to understand the hope to which he called and how rich is his glorious inheritance to know and to understand what is the immeasurable, unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us, those who believe, that's us, that's ours, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and has seated him at his right hand. Man, if we can get our head wrapped around this, this is unbelievable that all the power of heaven and earth, all the power of God is ours, all of it. And that power is demonstrated when he rose Jesus from the dead. So they say, oh, I don't see no power. No, it's there, man. It's there. And he doesn't just leave it at that. Because he goes on and he says, and he put, and then he says, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. So he's taking it off of just the earth and he's placing it now in the heavenly realm. That power that raised Jesus from the dead, he went all the way up to heaven now. And he's going to expand this later on. And it's a trip. But he goes on and he says, and he put all things then, <clears throat> and then he goes on and he says, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, not only in this age, but that which is to come. So he set it up from the very beginning, from the very beginning of time all the way through, man, until the very end when we're with him forever and all this mess is over. It is established and set and everything is in place. And it's just, it's crazy. When he kissed breath into Adam, that's when it all started and he knew everything that was going on and he knew we would be here tonight talking about this he knows where we're going to be at and from then we're going to be with him at the marriage supper of the lamb and he can even say there and say hey you remember that you know i mean it's crazy it's all set it's in place and it's moving and so when we look at this crazy world and we go man this is nuts now He's got it all handled. All handled. And so he says, not only in this age, but that which is to come, he put all things under his feet, appointing him the universal and supreme head of the church, exercised throughout the church, which is his body, in which he lives the full measure of him. That's God. And all that crazy stuff that we talked about and all that power and all that stuff, it's exercised in the church and it's in us, which is the church. The church is the most powerful force on the planet. And I, I, I feel guilty because sometimes I think Jesus is like the head of a bunch of misfits and boneheads that wander around, you know, in the dark, you know, crawling around and slamming into walls and stuff and everything, you know. That we're just weak and you read stuff in the paper and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, you read all that stuff that's going on. And you read about all the stuff that's in here too. And all this stuff was going on back then too. And it's still the same as it was then is the, and it's now the same. Everything is, is ever, it's ever changing, but the power and the move and the strength of the church is still in place. And it's not going to go anywhere until he decides to pull it out. 
and we will always be a dominant force in this world. And I don't care if it's ISIS or if it's the government or if it's whatever. It is not going to change God's plan and what he wants to do with the church here and now. And he's going to continue to move the way he desires for it to move. And it's not going to go south because all of a sudden some atheist group wants to tell some guy that he can't give out a, you know, a, a deal on a pizza because of a church bulletin they bring in, you know, and all kinds of other silly stuff. And he's like, well, I don't know what to do. And it's like, well, you know, um, and, and I don't blame him because it's his livelihood, but if the pizzas go down in Arkansas, that don't mean the church goes down. It just gets stronger. And they can keep on stomping on stuff, and it just keeps flaring up all over the place. They tried to do it back, and Satan tried to stop it in Jerusalem, and he couldn't. And it kept flaring up and flaring up and flaring up, and that's why you guys are here tonight. And it's going to continue to do that because God desires it to be there because it's the most dominant force in the world, and it will never, ever stop. And he doesn't even quit with this. Chapter 2, the temple. And so, looking at verse 19, he says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So he didn't just like Jesus goes, okay, I'm the body and all you guys are my dudes and just, let's just go and do this. No, it's structure. We're no longer outsiders We belong to God's household. We are his people. And we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus having, Jesus being the chief cornerstone. God set everything up. He established a foundation. He's given us teaching. He's given us examples. And then Jesus is the chief cornerstone and everything pointed to him and everything is built upon that. And it all builds out from that. And we learn that if you remove that, the building falls down. We know that. So we know that he has established that and he's building upon that and the foundation is all set up. And then he goes on and tells us that that in him the whole structure is joined together, continuing to rise into a holy temple in the Lord. We are being built up into the structure to form a dwelling place of God. By and through the Spirit. Wow. So we're, you know, we talk about the body and then we talk about, you know, the hand smashing the thumb on the other hand and all that stuff and all the fighting and everything like that. And God's going, I got structure here. I got an establishment. I've got foundation. And I'm holding it all together by my son. And so you guys just chill, relax, and allow me to move and be a part of this. Just open yourself up and allow yourself to be used by God in whatever manner that is. And He's got structure to it. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. You're not flung out into the wind. You've got structure here. You've got stuff to hang on to. You're solid in a group. 
<clears throat> and so he wants us to then keep that group solid that we don't want to you know, start messing it up and stuff, and people do, but that doesn't mean he goes anywhere. Oh, I was going over this church, man. They got all messed up and stuff, and everything. The pastor was, you know, and then the, and then the youth guy, and then the, the worship leader guy, and then there was these other guys, and oh, man, it just fell all apart and stuff. Yeah, well, you know what? That's a sad thing that that little chunk fell off. But you know what? You know? God hasn't gone anywhere and His holy temple is strong and the structure is strong and the foundation hasn't changed and He's still building and moving on that. And so those people generally will go off into some other place and they get fitted in and they're still in the structure and they're still there and the temple of God still continues to grow, stand strong and make a difference in this world. This world is in the place that it is and the morality that it is because of God's church and the structure that he has here. Can you imagine if he had no power, if this wasn't true, we wouldn't even be here because this place would have dried up and died a long, long time ago. There is no way that humanity would have survived this long if it hadn't have been that God had his hand all over this and he was in complete and full-on control. And he's still there. So he hasn't gone away. So in chapter 3, he's talking about a mystery here. <clears throat> and it's about how the, all the Gentiles and the Jews, you know, are now all in the same body. And, um, and we're part of that, obviously. And so in chapter 3, looking at verse 9, he says, and to, make an, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which is from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus to the intent now that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Check that out. Keep that in your head. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. The, the mystery is, is that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. And so he's bringing the whole church together. He has the body. Jesus is the head. He's established all that. It is a structure to it and a foundation and a cornerstone. And now everybody's involved in that. There's nobody left out. He's pulling it all together. But then, you know, he and, and Paul was tasked with this, with giving, you know, the you know, the men, this plan regarding the Gentiles and salvation and all for all men, that through the church, that that's many-sided wisdom of God would be made known to principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Man, get your head wrapped around this one. This is amazing. The church affects heaven. The church is all-encompassing. Heaven and earth, the whole thing. And the things that he's doing here with us here is effective in heaven and what he's doing up there. He's blowing those guys away up there just like he's doing down here. He is moving in, in, in the things that he's teaching us and stuff is proven, you know, his power and authority and everything in the heavenly places too. And it's all in one package, one deal. All established and set up. 
And he's like going, man, I'm going to make this so that this whole thing, you know, is just one, you know, huge ball that, that is all of, of his control and his power and his awesomeness. And we all get to be a part of that because we've received him as his Lord and Savior. And he makes that offer to every single man. And if we make that choice, then we're a part of that. And this is, there is nothing that's out there that's just flying around, you know. No, you're not on the fringe flying around out there just, you know, hoping that, you know, I'm okay and that I'm going to get snagged maybe, you know. Man, I sure don't want to go up there and, you know, go before Peter and go, <laughs> Gary, I don't think so. You get door number three. It's not like that. It is not like that. Is if we get this in our head and understand just what the power of the church is, and our part of that, and then as he moves and we're part of that, then it is uh, the church is affecting not only earth, but it's in heaven also. According to the eternal purpose he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. When Jesus went to the cross, it affected everything. Sometimes I think, you know, I even, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's just, you know, by chance, you know, one day I kind of was walking along and I stumbled and, oh, you know what, I think that whole Jesus trip is real. I think I'll just, like, receive him. You know, it isn't like that. There isn't no accidents. You know, he moves by his spirit and he keeps on, you know, prodding us and revealing himself to us, to us and stuff. And then as we receive him and, and things, and then we begin to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, it affected everything, heaven and earth. The whole thing. It, you know, when he, he took back the earth, that affected everything, man. And it's all together now in one thing. And he's far above all those principalities and powers. He's in control of everything. And, it, and it's all according to the eternal purpose that God had when he first kissed Adam and started the whole thing. In him we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him, realization of things hoped for, confidence of things I'd seen, that's your faith. And you have confidence in this. It's not by chance, it's not by accident, and you know it. When those guys are going to be sitting there before him and they're going to lay out their list, Lord, I did all these killer things for you, and he's going to say, I never knew you. They're going to know that. That is not an accident. I hope I'm not one of them guys. You're not. Because you're here and you're listening to this, and no, you know. You know whether you know him or not. Chapter 4 talks about a new man. It's really hard to, for me to even reiterate this because these are, we, we know this stuff and there's so much information here that, again, we could do a whole series on this chapter alone. <clears throat> and so, um, I'm just going to read the first few verses here of chapter 4. Um, <clears throat> I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness with long suffering bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling 
one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. And this begins our earthly conduct portion of the book here. And um, we're encouraged to have a walk worthy of the calling with humility, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness, patience, loving one another. <clears throat> I'm really trying to stick with my notes. I know I always say that, but I'm really trying to hold on to it because I'm watching the time because I don't want to lose any chunks of this. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And we've heard a lot about that lately. There is one body, one Spirit, one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. And the whole chapter talks about walking in unity, spiritual gifts, you know, the whole new man. Don't grieve the Spirit. The glaring singleness of, of who, where, and what are just, and, 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 it, and what we are in Christ. It's all about one God, one faith, one baptism, one Father of all. I don't gonna, I'm not going to get smeared out. I'm not going to get stretched. I'm not going to get, you know, I have pieces all over the place and different things that I got to, you know, uh, uh, try to hang on to and stuff. It's one God, one baptism, one, one uh, calling. It's all Him. It's one. It's single. We can stay in that and not get all strung out. Do you imagine if, you know, if we were trying to, you know, talk about the Hindu uh, religion right now, you know, with the thing with all the 14 hands and stuff? That's like just one of like, I don't know how many of those guys they got, you know? And it would be strung out all over the place. Well, you know, if you got a problem, you go and then you got, and then, you know, we could go back and forth all over the place with, and, and we'd be, and it'd be all messed up. And God makes it very plain. You don't have to, to go anywhere. And through Christ we have it all. All of the power in Him is in that. And it's a one structure. And it's a, it's a one place. And we can stay in that and be secure and have confidence in that. We can go before the Father in Christ and stand before Him with boldness and confidence. We can do that. And that is ours. And it's not something that's fleeting. Ah, man, you didn't do that yesterday. You should have used that coupon I gave you. You blew it, man. You're going to have to wait till next year. And it doesn't happen that way. We understand one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And that's who is above all, through all, and in you all. Take it to the bank, man. It's yours. And that he keeps you right there close to him where he wants you. And you're by him. You're in, he's in you. You're in him. And that's forever. And that does not go away. <clears throat> Chapter 5. This was a wonderful study. And, and uh, as we work through both of these and um, <clears throat> I'm just going to look at a, a small portion I'm not even going to try to get into the marriage thing 
because you know most of the time if I've ever done marriage counseling everyone's divorced and long gone from each other <laughs> so I'm teasing but um, uh, I'm going to look at um, chapter 5 in the, and this is the bride and then again we're going to look at the walk but this is looking at verse 30 and he says for we are all members of his body of his flesh and of his bones for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh this is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church nevertheless let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and then let the wife see that she respects her husband and so as we examine this and we look at it we're all members of his body and and then he goes and talks about how a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife the two become one flesh and that's right out of genesis chapter 2 verse 24 and uh, so again we can see god's establishment of you know this plan and what his idea was from the very very beginning we are to live our lives here in, in marriage as the body Christ in the body is. It's a perfect example of how he loves us and takes care of us, and we are the bride and he is you know, the groom. And so we have this perfect example in our own marriages. And, and I'm not even going to try to rationalize or try to explain away divorce and abuse and all the other things that happen with this because it gets polluted because this is a horrible terrible world but his example and his desire for our marriages is to emulate what he has already given us and and the structure and the body and the structure and everything we've been talking about all of that with between him and us and as a group and as a body and all that he wants us to act to to um, uh, he wants us to practice that I guess I can't think of anything better than that he wants us to do it here in our marriages and so as we look at this you know um, and as we can see a man will leave his mother and father and be joined to his best friend or to his buddy or to she will be joined to her friend and then none of that stuff is going to work you know marriage between men and men and women and women can't fit in this there is absolutely no way and so we know that between a man and a woman that's how god's desire is and he wants us to build upon this and act this out here on earth in our marriages the same as he is with us and, and him and us as the bride and the bridegroom. And that's our example. And this is how we can then draw closer to him by taking this and making it that, you know, force in our lives to build upon that so that we act out that same relationship that he has with us. That's also how we act with our husbands and our wives. And so it's a, it's a wonderful and most beautiful thing. And this is the thing that, that again, is, is being attacked constantly. It's one of them things where you don't need that piece of paper, you know, and, and that sort of thing. I went to a wedding one time in Texas, and um, when the bride was going to throw the bouquet, there was, you know, there was talk about what that meant. 
And so when they found out that that was all the single women were supposed to come and she was supposed to cast the bouquet and whoever caught that would be married, well, there was a huge discussion because common law marriage is, is there. And they were then trying to figure out who exactly was married and who wasn't. And so they had this large discussion of all the people there as to exactly who would be qualified to stand down there or not. And then there was one 13-year-old girl and then this other poor young woman who had, and they had no intentions of touching that thing. So when she threw it, it just went, and they were just standing there staring at it. And that was the only two that that they could come up with that were probably truly not married at some point in life that they could actually, you know, be qualified to do this. An, an interesting thing, anyways. Um, it, it, but <clears throat> this is something that Satan wants to pollute. And if you've already been caught up in this, you know, um, God wants to heal. His desire is to do that, and he's going to. And he will bring this back to where then there will be restoration, whether it's with that person or another or however. And if um, you are in a relationship that is strong and you know Christ and, uh, and he has got you in this place, then really work on making this, you know, an example of a godly marriage so that people can see that it is truly as God loves us then your marriage should emulate that so people can see that. And it's a beautiful, wonderful statement to the world. And uh, God can't, and uh, Satan cannot pollute that unless you allow that to happen. And so <clears throat> stand strong in that. Well, that's what we're going to look at now. We're going to get to... now, and, and then in the beginning of chapter 6, just last week... As Ron went down through this, a wonderful teaching on parenting and stuff. If you get the opportunity and you haven't heard that, then please do that. Uh, get that podcast because it's, uh, it's very well done. And uh, I, I was touched with things, even though my kids are all grown. There were some things in there that I need to look at and I can pay attention to with my grown children. So if you... It doesn't matter your age. Even someone old as decrepit as me could actually glean from that. So please check that out. So this And this establishment of what he's talking about here of church continues and can be lived out in, in uh, our relationships with our children and our parents and employees, employers, and all other kinds of relationships as God you know, gives us the power and, and moves in our lives. And we have this structure and we have the church and that kind of stuff. And then as we relate to all people, then uh, we can then show that relationship that we have with him as we relate to others. And so now, <clears throat> as we have started into chapter 6, and we're looking at um, the soldier aspect of this, now we're going to look at uh, my portion, which is chapter 10 to the end of the end of the chapter in verse 10 at the end of the chapter and so I think we're going to make it depends on how fast I talk so and I can do that you know I can just start yammering and then pretty soon people are going slow I can't understand but anyways finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, against the rules, <clears throat> against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of the wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. You know, this is the most intimidating of Scripture. You know, after, you know, I this whole buildup of this book and everything, you know, and how my walk is supposed to be, you know, after this revelation of the love and the strength of God. When I take this and I look at it and I begin to, to take and, and understand that after everything that Paul has talked about, then he says that I need to don armor. I should be scared to death. This should be something that should just absolutely freak me out. That, I have, that He takes us to a place to where now God is saying, you know what, if you're going to stand, you're going to need protection, man. And you need to be wearing something, you know, to keep you from getting wiped out. And so that means that if I have to wear a battle garb, that means there's a battle going on. And that there means there's guys coming after me. And I have to be able to stand against that because there's people that hate us and they want us gone, and they want us thrashed. But unfortunately, this is one of the most flippant parts of Scripture there is. We love this Scripture. We love that whole thing about putting on armor. We love it. We make killer posters and pictures, and we write books about it. We got book covers and everything else. It's all over the place. It's just awesome. We love it. We love all that stuff, you know, where you got on armor, and we got swords, and man, you know, blood. I love the blood flying. You know, that's just awesome. You know, it makes me feel strong. You know, and come on. You know, and I grab my helmet of salvation and my sword and I grab my breastplate, put it on. I'm ready. I go out into the fray. You know, him talking about the battle here, you know what he's talking about, right? You're, he's talking about that Braveheart stuff. You ever see that movie with those guys that, you know, chunks flying, you know? Gross stuff, you know, and that's what he's, that's the kind of war he's talking about. That's what, you know, when the Rome went to war, you know, and when they went to battle, there were dudes right down there just hacking at each other. It was gross. And that's what he's talking about. And I'm ready. And I get my killer sword and I go out into the fray, blood flying. And I'm looking for Satan. I'm not going to just take on some dude. I want Satan. I want him over here. I want to take a chunk out of him. And who do I run into? Mrs. McGillicuddy. She's right there in the middle of the fray. And she's like going, you know what? That thing that you said the other day, you know, I was offended by that. I didn't really like that. And you know something? I think you ought to do more about that bake sale that we're going to have and and, and you know, I really don't like what your wife was wearing the other day. I think that was inappropriate. So what am I doing? Kicking my helmet aside. I throw my sword in the weeds. I can't do this, Lord. This is just too hard. This, it's impossible. I can't do it. And I go and I crawl under a bush somewhere and I hide because I just can't stand this horror of these people just coming against me the way they do horrible who could stand in such a thing and then jesus shows up of course and he's like going you know what 
when Elijah killed all those prophets of Baal, all those dudes, and Jezebel said, I want his head, and he got afraid and he ran, he hid under a bush too. Now look, I know, you know, I made him a cake and, and I told him, you know, it's cool and stuff. I called him a baby a little bit and stuff, and then I <laughs> sent him off. And then I told him, there's another 7,000 guys. You're not by yourself. It's cool. You're not the only one. But I ain't going to make you no cake, and I ain't going to stroke you. I ain't going to tell you you're okay. Get up, get back in it, get your garb on, and get back out there. Because you have not yet suffered to bloodshed. You have not come to that place. Do you know that the Islamic extremists are in Ferguson, Missouri? And that they're trying to twist people up there against the government? That's real. It's not a fake. They're in the United States. They already know they're coming across the border in Mexico. We already know this. It's not a fake. If we don't don this armor and stand, and that's the key point here, he tells us to stand. He's not even telling us to attack. He tells us to stand. He gives us the armor. He places it in a position. When they train Marines, and I'm sure there's Marines in here, when you're trained, and, and when you go and you take a position, you hold it. That's what they're, they're trained to do. That's what we're supposed to do, is hold our position. We're our position in Christ. We have all the power of heaven at our disposal. And no, I don't have to grab anything and start hacking anybody up. And I don't need to go chasing people down and running around in the streets trying to get somebody. All I have to do is stand as a Christian and move in the place that He puts me in. He sets up the good works for me to walk in. I don't even have to run. I don't have to sneak. I don't have to do nothing. He sets it all up. It's all ready for me. We have to be ready. We have to know that this world is coming against us. It's far more than a discount on a pizza. We know what's coming. And we read these things and we, we get blown away. But then we also look at the 70 million children that are killed all the time and stuff, just in abortion alone. At some point we have to understand that this world hates us. But we are the most dominant force and powerful force in the world. Nobody can come against us. And they may be able to take your body, but they can't take your soul. And they can't do that to you. That is God's. And you are in His hand. And it has been going on since Adam took his first breath all the way till right now. And we know that He's in control, He loves us, and He's got us taken care of. So then, <clears throat> be strong in the Lord and draw your strength from Him. Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy-armed soldier, so that you will successfully stand against all the strategies and deceits of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against our physical opponents, but we wrestle against rulers of this present darkness. And so our spiritual focus, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the supernatural sphere. 
please understand that those that you are going to face when you're in the fray, and I know that it could be a Mrs. McGillicuddy, but it's going to be your mom and dad. It's going to be your brothers and sisters. It's going to be your relatives. It's going to be your best friends. It's going to be people that, that have always been there and they love you, but they think that you're crazy and you got to stop and you can't do this. They're going to give you good, friendly advice to not let this, you know, be, you know, don't become a radical. Don't become a freak, you know. Don't let this whole mess take over your life. How, how can that be? The only way that if it doesn't take over my life, then I'm dead like you. You know, I mean, I can't, there's, there's no in-between here. Either I'm alive in Christ or I'm dead in my sin. There isn't anything in-between. And I can't take advice from someone who's dead. That's not going to help me any. We're a body. We stand together. So then, we put on God's armor to stand our ground in the evil day and we stand and we hold our position and we're not going to move from that verse 14 having there stand therefore having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith with which you were you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, I like this little verse here, the fiery darts, you know. I like that, you know, you think about darts, you know, you throw it at the dartboard, you know, ah, ooh, what was that, you know. That thing is hot, man. Or that little blow, the little pygmy guys with the little blow tube thing, you know. Ah, oh, man, oh, that got me. Now you're talking about a stick that's about two feet long that was sharpened on the end with a big burning piece of pitch on the end of it. And when these guys would get in there and they really start hacking each other up, they're flinging these things at each other from a couple of feet away, hoping they can catch some kind of a body part that's exposed, like your face, your arm, your legs, you know, so that you got some big burning chunk of mong stuck to you, you know. <clears throat> That's what they're talking about here when they're talking about fiery darts. Satan don't play no games, man. And if he can get a chink in your armor, he's going for it, you know. And it's not with a little dart or a pinprick. He's going to take as much junk as he can get in between there so he can make you as miserable as he possibly can. And so, you know, I can't allow that to happen or, or I start spreading it open so that he can get more mung in there because I'm getting caught up in sin. I can't do that. You've got to stand. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. <clears throat> stand for, therefore, having. That means you already got it. Having. Stand therefore having you're set up for battle right now. You have tightened the belt of truth. You put on, you have put on the plate of integrity and right standing. You have shod your feet in, in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. You're in the word every day. You're ready to go. Lift up over all the 
overall the covering shield of saving faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one. Be ready from all sides because he's after you. But you got this. You got this because you've already got these things in place. And take up the helmet of salvation that's yours and the sword of the Spirit. Wield it, which is the Word of God. God's complete armor from Him. Put it on before you go into battle. And make sure that it's not in pieces. If you go into this with all the killer stuff on, but you don't have the helmet of salvation, you're dead meat. You go into battle without a helmet on, you're done. In fact, you can't even get the other parts. Because when you go over there to pick up those things, you know, that guy's going to go, man, you need a helmet before I can give you anything. You're going to have to go over there and see those guys. Go see Jesus. He's on that cross back there. You get their helmet of salvation and come back and see me. And then we'll set you up. So we put it all on. And not in pieces. And you don't put it on while the battle's going on. You don't try to to make a stand without your pants on. It isn't going to work. You need to be ready. Be set up. How many times have you been blindsided by somebody? My mother-in-law asked me one time, where does it say that I'm going to hell in the Bible? I don't know. Well, I had to find out. (laughs) And so, that's you're going to get hit with those things and God is going to show you you've got chinks in your armor, my friend. You need to be able to stand. Be ready. Get it together. And to stand until the end. You can't cut and run. If you're going, in fact, if you try to run, you're going to get cut down. It's going to happen. You got to stand. You got to make a stand. You got to stay there. You can't run away and hide. It isn't going to happen because you're going to be rooted out. It's, in fact, it's like putting a light on you. You're not going to get away. And remember, if there's no talk of attack, you stand. So he's not shoving you into anything. All you got to do is hold your position. He's got your back. He's got it all under control. He's got the structure in place. He's got the body. You got all the power of, the, of heaven. All the power of the resurrection is yours. Stand strong. And you're going to be okay. Verse 18. <clears throat> Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication to the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. This is some of the most mind-blowing scripture, and this is the kind of stuff that will put us on our knees. He says, pray in every occasion and in every season in the Spirit. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints. We're a body, and Christ is the head. We're never alone. Let's always keep lifting each other up in prayer. Always, always, always be there and got somebody's back. If there's at any time that you can lift up a brother, go for it. And don't always be waiting for somebody to lift you up. If there's nobody coming around, then maybe it's time for you to be lifting somebody else up. Don't always be expecting to be the receiver of it. Be one that can be used by God, not just one that's always getting. Be used by Him in whatever. 
don't worry about yourself. Just make sure that you're lifting each other up. If we can do that with each other, then we're always a cohesive group. If we got a group that's always waiting to get lifted up and they don't do anything, then pretty soon they become a, a burden. And we, I never want to be a burden. I don't want to get to that place. I want to be one that can be lifted. I want to be able to lift. I want to help. I want to be used by God in some manner. And so that's what he's saying. Let's lift each other up, you know. But then he goes on and he, and he says, you know, Paul asks for prayer. And what does he ask for? He doesn't ask to be released. He doesn't ask for protection. He doesn't ask that, you know, somebody attack his abductors and thrash them and everything like that. What does he say? That he may procl boldly proclaim the gospel courageously and have the freedom to do so as he ought to do. He is in prison. He is in a Roman prison. He is thrashed. You're talking about the kind that where rats are coming out and chomping on you and stuff. Horrible conditions. And what does he ask for? Hey, man, tell God to get me out of here, man. I can't stand this. This is crazy. He doesn't say that. He says, I want to boldly proclaim the gospel from where I am as I ought to, because that's my job. And he is like telling us that that is his reasonable sacrifice, his reasonable service. That is the place that God has placed him, and he ought to be doing that. And if it's in this prison in a hole, then I want to be able to figure out some way that I can get the gospel out of this hole somehow so people can get saved because that's what I ought to be doing. And he's not even asking to be released. He just wants to be able to get the gospel out. Verse 21. Yeah, I'm going to make it. But that you may know my affairs and how I'm doing, Tychicus, a, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Paul truly had the complete bond of love in Christ. He was all about the gospel and people hearing it. And it was all real. And he ends this by saying, Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. That grace with God's unserved favor be um, with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with undying and incorruptible love. Amen. So, <clears throat> I want to leave you with a chunk of scripture here. And we're right on time. Look at that. Uh, yeah. Praise the Lord. Certainly. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. This is one of my most favorite groups of Scripture here. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which patches knowledge, 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. We are his body. We're his temple. We're his mystery revealed. We're a new man. We're his bride. And we're his soldiers. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, again, we are just in awe of your great power and, and your great love and, and what you've done and, and given us. Father, we just pray that uh, we can ever be ever-changing, Lord, in this, that, that we can truly don that armor and, and take a stand and stand for you, Lord. Lord, we know that you've got everything taken care of and you've placed everything, you know, the, as you desire. And nothing and no one in this room that's yours will ever be snatched from your hand. Lord, you've got us and we know that. And we have every confidence and we have every boldness to say that, that we know we're yours, we're your children and you love us so much and we love you too. Father, we honor you, we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.